KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. How are we doing this morning, everybody? I'd love to hear your news. You can get us on 083 306 9696 and I promise I will be a little bit better at reading out the text today. I've been a little bit slow on that, but I'm ready for all the gossip that you have to offer. We've lots coming up on the show today, but first off, we still want to give away some money with thanks to La Hearts, uh, who are highlighting their range of Volkswagen electric vehicles. All you have to do is have a listen and ID the sound to be with a chance to win €400. So check this out. The Volkswagen ID Sound on KCLR. With thanks to the ID range of electric vehicles at La Hearts Volkswagen Kilkenny. Visit lahearts.ie. The Volkswagen ID Sound on KCLR. With thanks to the ID range of electric vehicles at La Hearts Volkswagen Kilkenny. Visit lahearts.ie. Tricky one, I have to say. Any guess that you might have, 083 306 9696. No winners yet. But if you dust yourselves off, winky wink, you might just be able to come up with the winning answer today. And we're, we're ready for it. We are ready for you to get those guesses correct. I have a little announcement as well to make this morning. Uh, water related due to a large water burst on Tullow Hill, Carlo. The water serving Tullow Town Centre, Shalala, Dublin Road, Ardatton Road and all adjoining housing estates, Rathglass, Newta- Newtown, Ardatton, Ballinastraw and Ballin Temple will need to be turned off from now until 5pm today, the 26th of July. So as always, Ishka Erin and Carlow County Council are apologising for which is undoubtedly a lot of inconvenience to those people that are affected by that. As I said, we have lots coming up on the show today. We are going to be talking the Republic of Ireland versus Canada, of course, and we'll also be hearing about a Kilkenny woman who's going to tell us of quite a scary weather experience she's had in Italy. But first up this morning, we are going to be talking about IVF and I'm joined on the line by Jennifer Ryan Moran. Jennifer is a leash mum who has documented her own IVF journey with herself here in KCLR and elsewhere. She's got a great Instagram page, The Scenic Route, and she co-hosts a podcast called Under the Motherhood. Jennifer, good morning. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks for coming on. The last time we spoke to you, actually, Jennifer, you were 32 weeks pregnant with your third IVF baby. So can you update us on how what's happened since? Well, a lot. <laughs> She's kept us very busy. Thankfully, our daughter was born uh, in March of 2021. So she's two, nearly two and a half now. Um, and she is, she's amazing. We're, we're unbelievably grateful. And every day I, I genuinely look at them and wonder how did we get so lucky uh, with three, three babies. But a, a long road for you, Jennifer, as you you have told us before, I'm just wondering, how did you greet the news yesterday that public funding will be available for those that are undergoing IVF treatment? Well, initially, of course, I was delighted to hear it because it's so long promised. You know, like um, we did our IVF in 2013 and I think 2015 was when they kind of announced that they were going to do it. 
and then since then it's just been put back and put back and put back so to get an actual confirmation and I suppose a dedication to it is, is fantastic news and a, a step in the right direction however <laughs> I do think that there the criteria around it is, is quite problematic I think um, and you know every single couple who or people or person who tries to do fertility treatment will have a different experience and will have different reasons why they are approaching doing that treatment um, for us and for me um, I am diagnosed with PCOS which is quite a common um, thing for women to be diagnosed with and it doesn't necessarily always affect fertility but in my case it did and does um, it also affects my weight so one of the criteria for the funding is BMI ranges um, and you have to be under 30 BMI so that would have originally ruled me straight out of, of contention for for applying for the funding um, which I just feel BMI is just such a bad way to monitor or to measure the health of somebody because it doesn't take into account so many different factors. Um, and when I did go for our treatment, I was told that I needed to lose weight. But it's a vicious circle for me and for anyone who has PCOS because it's incredibly difficult to lose weight. And coupled with medical bias that you often come across, I'm sure anybody who's any way overweight goes to the doctor with anything and, and the weight comes up in part, as part of the conversation so I just feel that things like that they're discriminating against uh, same-sex couples uh, single people people who have spent more than who have privately funded more than one round of IVF are discounted which I just find incredibly unfair people who have unexplained infertility so if you're not actually officially diagnosed as infertile or they can't find a reason why you're failing to conceive, you're not going to be considered, which is just That's not mad. what I understood, actually. I thought a woman with unexplained infertility could apply and that you didn't need um, a clinical diagnosis to apply for this funding. But, but I, I, I could be wrong on that, but that's if I understood okay. it. I could be wrong, too. That's the, latest, the last thing I read about it yesterday was that it was people who didn't have any diagnosis or if they couldn't find a reason so unexplained infertility is is the reason if they if they had gone through testing and couldn't find a problem that's what i read about it so I, i'm again it could be wrong and happy to be corrected on that and same we'll check that out and we let our listeners yeah, know yeah. but i suppose when something like this is announced it can be jennifer a lot to take in and you mentioned a lot there that was interesting to me so first off if you're single you don't have to be married but if you're single mm -hmm. you cannot apply how did you feel about yeah. that in particular because I would imagine if you're single and you want to have a child you're the very person that will find the financial restrictions greatest harder yeah definitely look I, I find it discriminatory I mean there's no other word for it and I, I, I guess like they have to draw a line somewhere and say you know these are the kind of there has to be a line somewhere but it's just incredibly unfair um for somebody who is single that's discrimination as far as i'm concerned um you know i think that it falls under that um and what about the age then so as i understand you age. have to apply before you hit 41 is that correct yeah, like a day before your 42nd birthday, which, and 60 for men, like, obviously the woman has to carry the child, but, you know, male infertility accounts for 50% of couples who have problems with 
fertility. So again, it just seems discriminatory. Same-sex couples can't apply for it because, well, in fairness, I did read that they're looking for, they need more regulation. So that's another problem and that's something else that I talk about quite often is clinics and how under-regulated they are. They're private businesses. They can um, offer like treatments mm. uh, it's essentially upselling what they do so even though one round of IVF let's assume that you meet all of the criteria and they're going to fund a round of IVF it's not going to include any of the pre-tests it's not going to include any of the extra add-ons that clinics love to to recommend and when you're in that vulnerable position of needing IVF and you uh, particularly if you think you're only going to get one round and that's all you have the pressure is immense like you're so vulnerable it's immense even if you're paying for it for yourself of course it is but if you feel like this is your only chance and this is it you're going to want to throw everything at it and that's where the clinics come in and that's where the uh, lack of regulation comes in because they can say to you oh well if you add this thing on it might improve your chances and if you add this bit of science on and actually it's not even scientifically proven in a lot of the times I'd encourage anyone who's doing IVF to look up there's a website it's a UK based one it's called HFEA um, and they they look at all of these add-ons as they're called and they rate them in a traffic light system so they'd say Embryoscope is one of them, for example, and they'd look at that and they'd go, well, we'll give this an orange rating because while there's no research to say that it actually has an effect, uh, there's none to say that it doesn't either. So there might be red, green or orange. Either they have scientific data behind them or they don't. And that's the that's a great resource to look at if you're looking because as I said you're really vulnerable going into clinics and you know these are professional medical people you're going to trust and take on board everything they say but like it's it, it's a real source of frustration for me and it's easier for me to see it from the other side it's because I'm not in that headspace yeah I'm not in that fog of of stress and worry and all of the things it's actually consuming it just takes over every part of your life. It's I really, have no really doubt. Difficult. So the, the site you, you quoted there was HFEA, is that correct? Where you can get lots That's of it. really solid um, okay reviews of what is available. And it's independently done, so it's not linked to a clinic or a business. You know, it's completely independent. Okay. Regarding the same-sex couples, as I understand that, Jennifer, so there, there's not a ban on them applying, but the it's not available for for now that it's not available in this country the treatments that would be needed such as um, donated egg or sperm that doesn't happen well here, no, they so. are yeah so the the regulate that's where I was I keep going off on tangents no, <laughs> apologies no. for that we, the, all, regulations all around, <laughs> the regulations around donating there, there aren't enough regulations around donation like egg donation sperm donation so they are available in some clinics you can absolutely do them but for some things like sperm banks um, I think you have to. They source them from. I think it's Denmark in some cases. So because it's such a small country here, you know. But because there's no regulation here, I think that's why they're excluding that for the moment. I did read that they're, you know, hoping to expand that once the regulation comes in. So hopefully so. But I mean, incredibly disappointing for a lot, a lot of people who might have originally heard the news. Oh, they're going to provide funding. However, there's all of these hurdles you still have to jump through. And I just think it would be because when you're given a glimmer of hope, you cling to it. So, you know, you cling to it and then suddenly it's gone and it's a harder crash than it was before because your hopes were raised up again. 
I can yeah, imagine. It's difficult but, to explain it, yeah. I suppose these things are pretty well thrashed out though, Jennifer, and you have to, I guess, concede that there there has to be, as you mentioned, some cutoffs, some limitations, and whereas that is hard to swallow if it, it renders you ineligible, you, you can see that it has to be the case, perhaps. I do, of course. And I mean, I don't want to be coming across as all negative. It's it's badly needed. And Ireland, again, I read yesterday, ranks very low in comparison to other countries with the support they give. Infertility is a disease. That's the bottom line. It's a disease. And we, we fund other diseases, and rightly so. So it's taken a long time to get this far. So, of course, I don't want to take away from it altogether. But I do think that the, the criteria is just such it's so unfair in lots of ways and I think that part is very hard to swallow for people who are imagine spending thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands uh, because you've no other choice and you you know people go into all sorts of debt for this but because you've done that now you're eligible to apply for funding like that just seems mad yeah it does can I go back for a second Jennifer to the way to the the BMI range do you mind me asking, and and you can stop me if this is too personal, but when you were undergoing treatment, did you have to come within the range that we're talking about here? So it's, I think, up to a max of 30 kg, you said. Yeah. Is that what they recommend so, for somebody to avail of the treatment successfully? It, it wasn't a figure I was given when I did my treatment. So I was over 30 when I did my treatment, but I still had to lose weight. And I did so in a very unhealthy way, extreme dieting. Um, and I got, I lost, I think I lost four or five stone in a relatively short space of time, um, which was good at the time because I was able to do the treatment, but not healthy, you know. So if they're coming at it from a health point of view, yes, I might have been under a certain weight or range, but otherwise I was less healthy than I might have been starting off because I exercise regularly and I eat healthily. So there's loads of different factors. And I, I'm literally just talking about my own experience. I don't want to be generalizing in any way or assuming things about anybody else. But uh, 30 seems like a very low. And again, they're targeting it based on the chances of success. So clin- they go back to clinics and clinics will look at their own stats and they'll think, OK, well, these people tend to have more success. So younger, uh, no weight issues. Uh, they look at things for not so much for men, but I mean, they do take things into consideration. They want their stats to be good. That's the bottom line. They, their stats to be good. So they're not going to take higher risk people. I know. If they and don't have to. I guess to put it very crudely, they're looking for bang for their buck, which for somebody that's in that's a it. difficult situation is, is, is difficult in fairness. It's not easy. Uh, Jennifer, do you mind yeah. if I ask you, for anyone listening today that is uh, moving away a little bit, maybe from Minister Donnelly's announcement yesterday, but for someone that is going down that IVF route or thinking of it, as someone who's been through it a few times, what advice can you offer us this morning just to finish up? Um, I think I think talk. If you can, if you can't feel, re- if you can't feel like you can talk about it to somebody, just write it down. Write down. Get the thoughts out of your head. Um, I just find that so helpful. Uh, try and distract yourself. It's really, really difficult to. But if you could focus on a different project. Um, I, for example, I decided to teach myself photography. So I threw myself into that as much as I could in an effort to distract. But talk to your partner or somebody close to you as much as you can. Um, and I really think that, you know, you'd be surprised at how many people will understand what it's like. It's not as lonely as, as it first seems. 
And, and I guess it can put an awful lot of pressure on a couple as well. It must be one of the greatest challenges that a couple will face when you're looking for something that is proving very difficult to get. Well, that's it. I mean, I think if you think of anything in life that you want to try and achieve, you can study to achieve a degree. You can work hard, try and earn as much money as possible. But with this, it's completely out of your control. And even if you follow all the rules and do everything that you're supposed to do, there's no, even with IVF, the odds are are still quite low in terms of bringing home a baby. That's the term they use. So, you know, you feel like it's a constant battle. You, you feel like you're constantly battling um, uphill. And no matter what you do, it, it's up to the luck of whoever it is you believe in. Um, and it's difficult socially. Uh, you start to feel like people are talking about you or, you know, wondering about you. And, you and the reality is, Jennifer, they are, because as we all know, we love yeah. to ask people questions and, and get involved where we shouldn't. And I'm sure anyone that's in a couple or recently married, it's a question that's asked again and again, and it can be extremely insensitive, but it doesn't stop people. No, it's it's human nature. And for the most part, people mean well. But actually, I found it harder when people stopped asking because then I definitely knew they were talking about us. Um, you know, when you stop hearing the jokes about her patterns of tiny feet and all of that sort of stuff, um, when they stopped saying it, uh, I found that more difficult because then I was certain that, uh, you know, they were probably going, oh, they're probably having trouble. Don't mention it. Um, and you just want to be treated like everyone else. You don't want to be treated normal. Um, for anyone who knows somebody going through the treatment, I would say don't be intrusive. Don't ask questions. Let the person or people know that you're willing to be there if they want someone to listen or someone to talk to. But other than that, I found it easier for people not to ask me. Don't uh, tell people about pregnancy announcements face to face. Advance warning, text messages in advance before you before you're going to see them is always much appreciated because you can get your own sort of. You're not disappointed for the people. You're just heartbroken for yourself, and and those two things can exist at the same time. So the last thing you want is to be crying in front of a friend who's sharing really special news as she or he should be able to do. Um, but you're just heartbroken for yourself. So advanced warning to get that sort of emotion out. And then you can be genuinely happy for, for your friends. So that would be my um, kind of tips, I suppose. But there's so many amazing resources now compared to even when I did mine. Like there's so many events online, uh, resources to read and blogs and all of that sort of stuff. So Do you know what I wonder about that? Because there is great solace in the community for sure. But if your journey isn't going where you want it to and others around you that started maybe in the same boat, if theirs is, I think that can be kind of challenging, maybe even more so in a way. If somebody else is... is sorry, well, I missed the start of that. Well, suppose we're, we're a community of people who are having difficulty conceiving and then some people move on and they yeah. do conceive, which is wonderful, and I'm still stuck there and I can't. Yeah. I think the solace that yeah. you get from that support can diminish in those circumstances and can hurt a lot because it just isn't easy, bottom line. Well, kind of. I, I actually, for me, again, my own experience, I actually found it comforting if somebody who was in the same boat as me got pregnant because it, it meant that it's possible. Whereas if people I didn't know were going through similar problems and in my from my perspective were just getting pregnant whenever they thought about getting pregnant, that was harder to take because it felt much more unfair. But if somebody I, that I was struggling or like us in some way and they went on to have babies, I was I found that much easier and much much more of a comfort. It offers because hope, yes. 
Absolutely, because you know it's possible. You know, you know the odds are stacked against you. But look, that couple did it, so maybe it will work for us too. Um, so yeah, in a weird way, it, it didn't affect me as much when somebody from the same community. Uh, oh, that's good. There. I'm glad to hear that, Jennifer. Well, I mean, we... yes, it still stings, and even now, if I hear somebody announcing a pregnancy, I still get that old kind of. Do you? It's kind of a reflex. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's just it's it's. I suppose it's the the hand you're dealt and that natural feeling of, uh, again, you're happy for them, but it's it it's just seem... a reminder. I don't think it ever leaves you really like what infertility, the effect that it has on you. And I, I'm one of the very, very lucky ones. And I don't say that lightly. Like, you know, I don't mean to seem like I'm never happy, but... No, you don't seem like that at all, Jennifer. And we appreciate very much you sharing your story. And as you see, I'm sure it offers great comfort to many people. We'll wait... And listen with interest to see how this story unfolds about the funding. And thank you so much, Jennifer, yeah. for joining us online this morning. KCL or Live, with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets, and a state of the art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Carlo, Kilkenny, KCLR. Welcome back. Keep those guesses coming in for that mystery ID sound 083 306 9696. Now I'm joined online by Donna Dunn. Don is a, Donna rather is a Kilkenny woman who has been on holiday initially and Donna you had a really scary experience last night can you tell us a little bit about it I, I sure can so it's two nights ago now at this stage um, but it was absolutely horrendous so I'm travelling in my camper van with my two daughters and my dad is with me for this leg of my journey so I come to I come to Europe every summer for six weeks and I have you know my husband for a bit my dad for a bit my mum for a bit um, so this leg of the journey, my dad had just arrived with me here in Italy and uh, we pulled into our campsite. First night we had thunderstorms, not too bad. Second night we had what I can describe as Armageddon in terms of the most horrendous hailstorm. I, I don't know if anyone has ever experienced it. Um, golf ball size hail coming from the sky. Um, every camper, caravan, tent, the campsite, everything that we were on is completely destroyed. The windows of everything completely smashed. The, um, you know, the lodges that people stay, you know, you come to the campsite, you book your lodge for two weeks. The campsite I was on, um, 212 lodges, 210 of them are completely destroyed and damaged. That is, in, it's, it's so hard to believe you, not that I, of course we do, Donna, totally. but it's so hard to imagine. So you describe it as golf ball or tennis ball sized hail and hail is really hard when it hits. Was it, it, equal, was, it obviously was. It was like breaking. rocks. It was like rocks. And when I described that it came from nowhere, I, I can't, we were genuinely looking at the amazing thunder and lightning. You know, people who've been to, to the Lake Garda will, will have experienced thunder and lightning because that's quite common here. You know, you, you experience the lightning and you're ready for the rain as this is not my first time here at Lake Garda. So I'm prepared for thunder, lightning and rain, no problem at night time. But we were watching this. Next thing we have a few drops of rain, but within seconds... The, the sound that hit the top of my camper van, I'll never forget. And I would say within about 20 seconds of the starting, both my roof lights on the camper van were smashed in. So if you can imagine that we're in the camper van, me and the two girls, my dad is in the tent alongside the camper van, and in comes this golf ball size, smashes through the first skylight in the roof. The kids start screaming. I don't, I don't know how I reacted in hindsight when I think back. I don't remember screaming. I just remember get, kicking into action. The second window smashed. 
And now my brain thinks my entire van, I have a converted camper van, which is windows, the length of each side, windows. So all I think is I need to act and I need to act fast. But it's a, it's, it, it was such a scary situation, genuinely such a scary, I can't describe it because it feels surreal and I can't, you know, I can't believe that we were in it how we acted and now we're out the other side and we're, when we look around us so much is destroyed I mean destroyed people are going around with no windows in their cars destroyed it's it's just incredible so what you did really well though Don I have to say to react so coolly I would have been very nervous about getting into the van in the middle of that it would have made me I think I think I would have been paralysed with fear you know I, like I'm quite surprised because anyone who knows me around Kilkenny like I'm a high energy um, you know, I'm, I'm a real funny character, you know, and, and you know, I, I guess I would describe myself as a great one for the drama. I probably, if I was to stand outside and tell the story, I would say, oh, God, I wouldn't know what to do. But in that moment, I had I had a very clear focus. I had my dad and my two kids in the van. I had no choice, you know what I mean? And I, like my husband, he's working, so he's not with me for this. Like, I had no choice. And I guess when you have no choice you make very sharp decisions. So what I decided was, um, to be fair, my, my kids in particular, my older, she's 14, Ali's in third year in the press. She acted fantastic. She took out saucepans and started collecting water from falling through the roof, you know. My other kid, I just gave her a task. I said, Millie, you need to get all the electronic devices. They need to be stored away. You need to get them stored away, you know, so she's on the back bed. A camper van is a tiny space, you know. So... She, once I gave her a focus, she she stopped being scared and she started to work. I then called my dad from the tent. In hindsight, I can't believe my dad made it from the tent without getting hit. Because now that we're on the other side of it, we now know that two people died in this hailstorm. My goodness. Not on my campsite, but in the area, two people died. Because it was like rocks, like rocks. So... When, when 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 I got everyone into the van and the hail had lifted, it had stopped. I don't remember at which point, but I ran to the tent um, to make sure I got my dad's medicine and I grabbed my dad's clothes. I unhooked the camper van. My mirrors were smashed in the van, but there was a lovely German man beside me. He helped me reverse the van because I just said, I'm going to a hotel. And I knew I just had to leave because I was at the edge of Lake Garda. So I'm on the lake. I don't know if the lake was right. Okay, I think we've lost Donna, so we will take a little ad break. KCL or Live, with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets, and a state of the art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. KCLR. Community Assist, with Carlo and Kilkenny Gardy. Apologies, our line dropped um, to Donna initially there, understandably, because obviously things are a little bit dicey. So apologies, she was really interesting. And what a scary experience that was to live through. Speaking of scary experiences, Garda Andy Neal is here in studio with us to talk about it. Not that you're scary, Andy, might I oh, say. Oh, right, yeah. I was kind of worried doing it. It's the first time we met and I said, oh my gosh. No, no. Although- you know, I must have come in with an angry face and I tried to avoid that. So it's unless, not unless if the occasion demands it, of course. It's the jacket, and it yeah. just when I'm stopped by the guard, I, I just have this little fear. Not that I do anything. Are wrong. you frequently stopped, Una? Well, I wouldn't 
shouldn't say frequently, but it, it has happened. I've never been held. Yeah. I've never been held, I'd like to say. You've never been detained. No, no. I've never been no, detained, no, but it does strike the fear. And I think a lot of people are like that, that they might be smiling along the street, Andy, but when they, when they see you in your nice little jacket, the, the, the countenance might change a little bit. Uh, sometimes, sometimes. But look... Uh, I think we're actually very lucky in this country that in general we would have quite good good one would hope relations with the community and and it it, it certainly uh c- certainly when I'm on duty in high street uh I I'd have more people kind of going up and asking me things or going around the place than than say oh no you know would you well yeah. that's good to know you yeah. don't you don't get abuse or people calling dodgy names at you or anything like that that can happen. That can happen, you know, and uh, and and it does happen, and it's rare, but uh, it's one of the things that you might come to expect if if you do if if you if you do put on the uniform. Yeah, it can happen. But water off a duck's back, yeah, I'd say. Absolutely. Listen, you're looking for community assistance, so do you want to take us through the yeah. first item that you have on the agenda? Yeah, today? first item is. Uh, um, my colleagues in Bagnellstown are investigating, uh, investigating a burglary in the Glen Nabarro estate during the early hours of this morning, just around 1am. Now, the householders, and I would not like this, were awoken by banging and movement from downstairs. And they moved around and uh, got up. And it seems the culprit or culprits obviously heard this and fled out at this stage we don't know if uh, we don't know what has been taken uh, if anything but scary experience now for the householders and we're looking for anyone who might have information in um, uh, in that estate and in that area might have noticed suspicious activity to contact Guardian Carlo at 059 I'm just wondering, what would your advice be in that situation? Would you advise somebody to get up if they heard something? I think I would. Again, I, I tend to get a bit paralysed when I'm scared. Maybe get up and make a bit of noise. Maybe not go downstairs and uh, dial uh, dial uh, dial one one two or nine nine nine. Definitely. That Maybe lock yourself in if you can and get the emergency services. Yeah, I mean, you know, in this case, I suppose what we had a situation and the uh, culprit or culprits fled which it happens in the vast vast majority of cases okay no. um there was theft from a bus as well in yeah Canada. a bus driver doing his uh, uh, doing his job at 9:30 p.m. last night in Callan on Green Street so he's pulled up in his white 222 Mercedes coach and as a bus driver um uh, male or female and male probably had his his man bag with his few documents and his uh, and his mobile phone license and all that kind of thing, and he had all that. And uh, someone came in and helped themselves to it. Uh, we don't. Um, we're looking for anyone who might have information. Also, you might come across this ID, uh, not an Irish surname on the driver, and a date of birth of 1975. So if you find that in the documents, uh, that might stand out uh, out to you. I'm not giving his name on air. Okay. Uh, but, and look, also, this is a massive inconvenience to any professional driver, like... Like to an ordinary driver, yeah, losing your life. But a professional driver with all their CPCs, everything, and uh, you know, it's a lot of inconvenience. Um, cheapo mobile phone like myself taken as well, so I, I don't have any of those fancy ones. But um, but 
theft only probably a couple of hundred euro in value but to him it's a massive massive inconvenience it's that that's so annoying but also the process of getting another license it's oh, quite lengthy isn't it yeah it's lengthy actually I was only in NDLS the other day and it's incredibly quick to book an appointment I couldn't believe it I got one three days later and um, and the ladies up there were superbly uh, efficient I couldn't believe it and they said uh, you'll have a new license out in the post within a week but slightly slower when you've obviously lost or stolen well, that's, that's a quick turnaround. And do you mind me asking, when is your licence out of date that you're doing it? How yeah, far in advance do you I recommend? I got the text, which I was delighted about because I'm sure of something I was going to nearly forget about. And uh, my licence was going out this September and I got a text there last week. So, look, when people get the text, don't put in the long finger, go on, you know. And there is a link that brings you through a public services card. But interestingly enough, if you go in straight through, uh, you can go in straight into the site otherwise and go to book an appointment, which is a lot of like old fogies like me might like to do. So you can do it in advance of the expiry date well, or the text? You, you can do, you can organise a face to face instead of uh, trying to do it online. Did you update that. the picture? Do you have to do that? Yeah, they update the picture, and uh, so so I made sure I had my makeup and my hair done. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I think when I was getting my last one done, I was calling the hop, and it was not a good look. The day was not. I'm looking forward yeah, to yeah, next yeah. year. I think no, no, day. no. I don't think it's ever a good look. Uh, you know, uh, a bit like passport photos, but. Uh, oh, I remember one of the directors, of course, uh, never do it on a work day because it shouldn't be done in uniform. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's another one of their little, uh, little uh, bits of information, they say. Well, you probably wouldn't want it in uniform. I wouldn't you? want it in uniform. Anyway. You definitely wouldn't. No yeah, offence. Yeah, no offence yeah. to the good people yeah. of the Garda Shekona. Absolutely. Um, what else do you have to, to ask us for yeah, assistance with? A bit of criminal Andy? damage here. A wing mare smashed off a car and a tyre attempted to be slashed. Right, so Guardian investigating this incident happened when a 19 reg white BMW hatchback in the Margaretsfield estate between 2 pm on Sunday and the following morning. Uh, wing mirror smashed and left hand rear tyre broken. Uh, damaged by person, persons unknown. No benefit to anyone to do this. So, we'd like to ask if you saw any suspicious activity or canises, could you please contact us in Kilkenny on 056 treble 75000. Okay, and same number for the previous bus theft that you reported yeah, to the yeah, Kilkenny Guardian. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Very irritating, isn't it, for someone coming back to their car and saying. Yeah. It's, 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 and I suppose, are we reticent to report those things if we witness them? Sometimes, sometimes. And look, it's a serious offence. It's a serious offence. Criminal damage. It's um, like, funny enough, it's technically it's the same offence if you kick a wing mirror off a car or or uh, <clears throat> or, de- or destroy or. or or completely destroy a car from top to tail, you know. Well, so, yeah, same yeah. same offence, same technical offence. Yeah, trolleys. Yeah, off your trolley. So again in Kilkenny, also on Sunday night. Now there were some, there was some sadness in the air, and maybe some people had a bit too much beer, but and other intoxicants. So we're investigating damage to a parked car caused by a shopping trolley. Now in, we don't normally investigate these because they are normally when because it would normally happen in a car park where someone's shopping trolley runs away and definitely not a crime could be a bit of carelessness could be an accident but in this case there's no supermarket in Father Murphy Square in Kilkenny and none that a 
are open at 11.30pm. So we're calling it criminal damage. Uh, a few youths, um, which is a great term, I was, like, I was trying to find out what, like, I'm presuming older teenagers, uh, pushed a trolley into parked white Offaly registered Dacia Duster Jeep, causing damage to the rear door. And I'd uh, say you could do quite a lot of damage. Oh yeah, well look, this was a two, this was a fresh one, I think a, Two one one two 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 something like that. The problem is, like, if you do any damage at all to to a panel, you can end up extensive repairs in that panel, and sometimes to get the paint match, you can be blending into another panel. Uh, previous career in the motor business, speaking there, and what that so you can have something like that often costing a thousand euro. So, um, so just if anyone saw any, can we call them yahoos? Because it's what they were, uh, uh, careering around in a trolley on on Sunday night last before midnight. Could you give us a shout? Oh five six treble seven five thousand. We'd love to have a word with them. Can I go back there? If I was up in a supermarket and I was, let's just say, a bit reckless with my own trolley and it whacked off something, would I not be responsible for that? You would be responsible, but it wouldn't necessarily be criminal damage. It would be accidental damage. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it, it wouldn't, it, it, like, I presume, Una, in meeting you, you don't seem like the character who's going to go ramming your, your, your trolley full of your groceries into other vehicles on purpose. No, I wouldn't so, ram, but I would definitely be capable of losing the run of it. Yeah, no, no, no. But I feel that would be my responsibility. It would be your responsibility, but it wouldn't be a criminal action. It would be, it would be accidental damage. Okay. You would be responsible to find the owner, but but you wouldn't be suspected of carrying out a crime. Okay, we're going to talk concerts in a second. But did you hear the great rumor that the boss might be coming back to Kilkenny? Isn't that fantastic? Is it true? Are we getting our hopes up for nothing? I don't know. I don't know. But 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 what a showman and what a band surrounding and and what a great good feel experience it was. Now the last time. And can you believe that's ten years ago? I know. Did you go? Uh, I was working for Traffic and Cordons. Uh, I think my wife went, actually. So I didn't actually go. Uh, it just sounded fantastic. Oh, he's amazing. Yeah. But you have a cautionary tale for concert gourds to share. Yeah. So, so my colleagues in Carlo investigating an online scam saw a person pay €120 Euro for some festival that was sold through Facebook. Injured party in this crime never received her ticket. And then was found herself blocked from Facebook. This was clearly a s- blocked from this Facebook account. This was clearly a scam. We're getting more incidents like this reported the whole time, and we're going to have more, especially with massive demand tickets like Taylor Swift, which some people are exchanging their right arms for tickets for. So, um, are you going? No, you don't get a freebies. No. Definitely no. not. And, and um, Taylor no. Swift. <laughs> I think I'm. <laughs> oh no, we can't say we can't say flip flop. No, okay, right. You can say it, but you have to face the consequences. Okay. Uh, I find the concert, the concert, all that, getting online. Some of the girls here were getting very stressed yesterday trying to get their hands on COVID tickets. And it's just, I'm not sure. I think the old-fashioned way of queuing up outside the record Ah, shop was a lot less stressful. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm inclined to agree. So, look, just to say, we're not saying for a second that Facebook, Dundeal, Adverts.ie aren't reputable websites and online. They are reputable right but not everyone who sets up an account to sell something is reputable okay so there it is so buyer beware yeah I suppose you're just you're so excited and so hopeful that sometimes you just don't want to you just don't want to go there you don't want to believe that it might just be a scam if if it sounds too good to be true it probably is
I was struck yesterday that um, when I was downtown, there were a lot of American tourists out and about. And I wondered, Andy, how did you feel about the US Embassy issuing that warning on safety uh, to their their citizens that were coming to Ireland? Yeah, I I heard that this morning. I mean, obviously, I can... uh, you know, you know, I can I can talk about policing. You know, in Kilkenny and Carlow, and how we have a high pr- priority to be giving tourists the greatest possible experience. You know, of uh, of our city here and of our county. That is extremely distressing. I mean, obviously, as 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 a guard, I'm not in a position to, I suppose, comment. Uh, you know, it, it would be for those in, in in much greater ranks above me, but but anything, I I can I can tell you one thing that when something happens to a tourist on holiday, and and this can happen, this can involve something like a collision, and we've had fatal collisions of tourists coming over, and that is our highest priority, our absolute highest priority, and um. Uh, uh, there's lots of talks about resourcing. I can't comment on that. There's uh, there's talks about policy, but again, what I do know locally is that uh, keeping the streets safe is, is would be our number one. Do you think that'll have an effect though on on people coming? What uh, would your own opinion be? I uh, I don't know. Uh, Hard to tell, I yeah, guess. Yeah. Andy, there's a, a text in here. They're saying mm. good talking about cars being damaged, but in some estates in Kilkenny, children are playing with hurls and slitters. Cars get damaged. I have had a windscreen broken, a rear light smashed one morning when I came out to my car. And actually, that is a thing that is probably... It happens very easily, but again, very, very annoying for that uh, person. It, that terribly, you. terribly annoying. Terribly annoying. And with this fantastic tradition, I suppose, in, in this beautiful county. Uh, and... And last Sunday was was a fabulous expression of it, although it didn't work out in the end. But yeah, you know, it is. It's on parents too to be aware, uh, to be aware the damage that, that your kids can cause. You know, and to keep a rain and have some consideration. Yeah, I would say that, and that's a, you know that's a fair comment. Okay, well, listen. Um, our final thing here is flower power. Yeah, this was a little story. So, so um, my colleagues arrested a chap last Friday night, just after midnight, on the parade in Kilkenny. And what he was doing, he was an extremely well-oiled young man. And what he was doing was he was uh, pulling the flowers and shredding them out of a flower pot on the parade, which our local authority have put in huge effort, and we, uh, uh, and the ratepayers and the taxpayers are all providing this for no... So maybe he didn't realise in his intoxicated state, but this is criminal damage, serious offence, and also intoxicated in a public place. So he was arrested and uh, conveyed back to, I suppose... Now, TripAdvisor, I don't know, gives us a great score, right? <laughs> but to maybe one of Dominic's oldest and finest B&Bs. Okay. Uh, Dominic Street's oldest and finest B&Bs. Uh, cell number one, two, three, <laughs> or four in Kilkenny Garda Station. Well, Don Suite facilities as well. Uh, B&B, I hope never to frequent. Andy I'm sure O'Neill. you never will. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming in this morning. Yes. And we hope to get a little bit help with those little problems, I suppose, round and about. Talk to you next week. Thank you. 
KCLR. Community Assist with Carlo and Kilkenny Gardy. KCLR Live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Welcome back. Brian O'Farrell of Carlo Chamber joins us in studio. Good morning, Brian. Good morning. How are you doing? You're here to tell us all about the Carlo Business Awards, aren't you? Yeah, we wanted to um, catch up with you briefly because uh, we're at a pivotal point now. The nomination period is currently open. Um, However, we're in the countdown because nominations close on this coming Monday, the 31st at 5pm. Um, And there's a wide range of categories um, in the awards uh, for businesses and that to be nominated into. And we just wanted to get the word out and remind people to um, take some time to log on to carlochamber.com, have a look at the categories, get your nominations in there because after 5pm on Monday... There is no late nominations will be accepted. Not accepted. Okay, so you can not you can enter a maximum of two categories, I believe. Do you want to talk us through maybe some of those, Brian? Yeah. So um, uh, uh, businesses can be nominated in uh, any of two categories or up to two categories, um, and businesses can self-nominate, um, or you can nominate a business. So if you've got a customer, a supplier, um, a business that you deal with that you know what you think really deserves a nomination and really are outstanding in their field in a particular area well then do log on and nominate them um, there's a range of categories there uh, you know some of the key ones would be our outstanding small business of the year outstanding medium business and of course business of the year which was won last year by KCLR thank you um, <laughs> and uh, I was just actually admiring some of the awards out in the lovely trophy there as you come into the studio and uh, sitting beside the Business Supporting Community Award which KCLR won back in 2000 uh, sorry 21 which was just after Covid and it was very uh, you know I think very important that because it, you just come out of a busy period um, this year we also won a range of new categories okay um, Health and Wellbeing Award is one of them which is very much focused on you know, looking at what businesses have put in place to support the well-being of their teams, but it's not just what they've put in place, but it's what they've put in place maybe in consultation with their teams. So it's about, you know, everybody within the business and, and improving it there. International Business Award, which uh, took over and adjusted from our Export Award, and that's kind of looking, you know, more at a broader scale of things. So it's about those networks that you have internationally. It's about import and export, uh, you know, taking into account those companies that are um, connected with importing and exporting products and services. Uh, because it is it's a key part of what drives our economy. And, you know, Carlo as a county, we've got a massive global footprint. And a lot of the time you wouldn't realise it you know, where products from Carlo are being exported to or where we're importing product from. Uh, Another new one this year that has seen a lot of interest, I know, to date, as well as the personal services. Again, uh, we've seen a lot of growth in, uh, you know, and it's very important on our high streets and in our towns and villages, uh, hairdressers, beauticians, that sort of area. So it takes into account a lot of those services um, that we've seen. And, you know, we really want to hear from people and to shout out about these guys. And I'm sure there are lots of benefits for businesses that are nominated or that um, indeed are successful. How can they go about finding out the different, the criteria, I guess, for eligibility in, in the different uh, categories? Yeah, so the first thing to do is uh, pop on to carlochamber.com. Um, on the top of the screen, once you go onto it, there's a big red button. It'll take you right into a list of all the categories and it gives you all the details. Um, and you can look at the criteria there. There's a nominate now button. Click on that. It takes you into a separate form. 
um, when you're nominating, you can nominate into one category at a time into it. Uh, and you just need to, at the box at the bottom of that nomination form, put in some reasoning why you're nominating that company, why you feel they meet that criteria. Uh, because that's very important because the shortlisting judging panel will be reviewing that and to make sure that we have got the companies in there that meet the criteria um, and that's where it'll take us through to the next phase of the awards then. Okay, super. That's when all your hard work starts. Oh, well, there's a lot of work has been going on in the background for well, the last sure. number of months. Um, you know, and the, the most important things out of it is that, yeah, you know what, everybody is nominated and is shortlisted through. You know, we want to get uh, word out about them, promote them, help them to grow their business. You know, a lot of businesses will win on the night as well, and we'll be continuing to promote and shout out at that because we've got so many exceptional companies. You know, but more importantly, behind those exceptional companies, we've got exceptional people okay. um, so operating those, in them, and we want to continue to highlight and promote and highlight those and sure. recognise so them. Next Monday, five o'clock is the deadline, and the award ceremony is uh, the twenty eighth of September. Brian, thank you so much for coming in and reminding us of that deadline this morning. No problem. Thank you. KCL or Live, with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets, and a state of the art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Now, it's not quite Ladies' Night, but Ladies' Day that we want to talk to you about because we've got a pair of tickets to give away every day this week with thanks to McDonough Junction, Lyrith Estate, and, of course, ourselves here at KCLR. All you have to do to be in with the chance to win is to text us or WhatsApp us on 083 306 9696. Just Ladies' Day, your name and details, and we will pick a winner before the end of the show. So best of luck to all texters. Now, all roads lead to Carlo Gardens this weekend, and we are delighted to be joined online by Nick Bailey. Nick is presenter of BBC's Gardener's World and he's coming to Carlo this weekend. Nick, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm great. Looking forward to uh, coming over to see you guys. Do you want to give us a preview of what people might expect from your event where I believe you're in Ducats Grove on Sunday and I believe the tickets are only flying out? Oh, good. Good to hear. Good to hear. Um, well, my... Um my sort of big thing is all around uh, all around colour. So I produced a book about ten years ago called uh, "It's a Snappy Title: 365 Days of Colour in Your Garden." Um, and so the the talks that I'm doing at the festival are around that that theme. So it's it's really kind of helping people horticulturally to get that year-round interest in colour in their garden, but not just through the obvious things of saying, put these plants in, but there's all sorts of different techniques, different ways of managing plants I talk about. There's a big section of the talk which is which is all about kind of using and combining colours, using the colour wheel, uh, working with kind of texture and form. So it's really about sort of giving people the confidence to be a bit more, a bit more bold, a bit more brave in their use of colour, and then to ensure that there's kind of interesting colour year round and I think most most people think the kind of you know depths of winter February I can't possibly have anything interesting going on in the garden and you know I pretty much guarantee people there is something of just about any colour you can think of available in just about any season so it's it's all about kind of uh, putting the joy back into your garden really. Well that sounds delightful the only thing I mean I love the idea of colour in my garden all year round but you would need to be fairly knowledgeable I guess by by my book you're going to tell me in order to make sure that you're you're staggering the colours nicely so that you've got nice bursts of colour everywhere but what I was going to ask you there Nick is are there rules that one needs to follow when it comes to colour combinations in your garden or is it just whatever I fancy myself? 
I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, it's down to people's personal taste. So, you know, the absolute mix-up of colours, I always call the kind of the punch bowl effect. Um, and so, you know, that's not necessarily to my to my taste, but, you know, everybody's got different approaches. But what I tend to sort of set out is a whole different series of approaches. So if people are a bit nervous about, about using colour, then I tend to talk about kind of monochromatic colour schemes. So that's taking, you know, of course, lighter and darker versions of the same colour. And so you can create, say, a blue border with a very palest blue through to the richest navy and it all sits very comfortably together or you could go for colors that are you know closely associated with each other so you could go for a pink through a mauve and into a into a blue and that's known as uh, analogous colors and they kind of sit very comfortably if you want to go for something much more exciting and vibrant then you can look at kind of pairing colors that are opposite each other on the color wheel so put red and green together and they instantly look more vibrant and more excited and you can do uh, you can do sort of the pale down version of that as well so if you go for a very pale red which is a pink of course and uh, a very pale green or a lime put those two together and you still get this magical thing it's called simultaneous contrast both the colors look more exciting as a result of each other so it works for red and green it works for yellow and violet and it works for orange and blue and so any of those pairings will give you a really really kind of exciting palette of colors in the garden that just just radiate joy and when you say it works for those colour pairings that you mentioned, who decided that? <laughs> what colour expert has told Ooh. us? Yeah, I mean, I just, I just wonder, is that to, is that to do with the colours themselves? Because I, I wonder, does the colour vary depending on the soil and how the sun hits and all of those things? If I plant something, somebody in, in Carlo or elsewhere in the counties might have a totally different, not a totally different, but a different flower. Or a different shape. Yeah, I mean, you can, you can, yeah, absolutely. You can get sort of micro, you know, very small variants depending on underlying soil and the res- relative kind of acidity and alkalinity. But I based all of my sort of color, color talks and color theories around the, the color wheel, which of course is that okay. device that we all learned about in, in primary school. And it's something that artists use. But um, what I think is fascinating was it's, uh, it was a scientist who proposed it in the, fir- uh, the first place. So Sir Isaac Newton, he of uh, Apple Epiphany fame basically said let's take the electromagnetic spectrum in other words all the kind of light that we see on earth from infrared through to ultraviolet and it, it's normally expressed as a, as a band and let's wrap that band round and make a complete bangle or a complete circle and that is literally what created the color wheel and so I use that as a basis for people and so the opposite colors on the color wheel are red and green uh, are yellow and violet and uh, are blue and orange and so you can literally sort of extract that straight from the color wheel or you can say right i want to go for analogous colors so you go for three colors next to each other uh, from the color wheel so it's a good sort of format or base to uh, to start with but you know i'm also very much into experimenting and one of the techniques i often recommend to people is you know go to the garden center get the get the key plant you love but then you know, offer a series of other plants up to it. How does that change? Colours obviously affect each other hugely. And so offer that, uh, you know, that yellow flowered plant up to that uh, grey foliage plant and suddenly it changes the way the two of them feel. And then maybe if you throw in a, a pale blue, it changes it again or maybe if you put a pink into that. And so kind of, yeah, play with those things and see what um, see what makes you happy. Literally do a, a border composition in your trolley in the nursery and um, bring in a few goes. extra bits, throw out a few extra bits, try it out. Well, your trial and error has been based very much on science, I have to say, whereas mine is more mood. If I go somewhere and see something that I like, I throw it into the ground and see what happens. And often very little happens, I have to say. But I love what you said there about the mood, because sometimes you have a plant, you put something with it and suddenly it's a whole other thing. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. One of the things I, I love and kind of uh, mention in the talk is this idea of successional planting. And so one of those principles is to take kind of basic shrubs that lots of us have in our gardens, things like philadelphus or viburnums, those big stocky shrubs, but then to grow an annual climber through them. So they'll do their thing, their ordinary colour at the start of the year, but then as soon as that sort of delicate climber makes its way through, suddenly you get to then contrast with the colour of the, the host shrub. Uh, the host shrub, of course, at some point will continue, um, uh, will finish flowering. Uh, so say it was white to start with, but then the climber you've put over, it's blue. And so this, this shrub that normally only delivered you three months of white flowers in spring actually manages to deliver sort of six or seven months of, uh, of blue flower after it's done the white. And so there's kind of, I think it works for, you know, for smaller gardens, but for any space, and you can get those kind of, those interesting kind of colour interplays. That sounds fascinating and I'm sure people will be very excited to learn lots more about your experience uh, with colour if they come along to your event next Sunday. Nick, um, I think, and you can tell me because you're the expert, but I think we've changed a lot when it comes to our attitude toward gardening. I think some of that has come on the back of COVID. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Think things have shifted um, enormously. I think people are far more engaged with the outdoors, as you say, because of because of COVID. Um, I thought Dermot's program through um, uh, through lockdown was great. We were lucky enough to have that um, that shown here, and just that that kind of sense of community has um, yeah has definitely shifted, and people are much more much more focused on the gardens than ever before. And there's a huge shift as well. I'm sure you've uh, I'm sure you've seen towards and just looking at the flower shows this year, for example, many many more designers. In fact, the majority of designers are now focused on kind of wilder plantings, more support for wildlife, more support for pollinators. And so that's really sort of changing the aesthetic of gardens. And people are thinking more about native plants, more about elements of rewilding, maybe gardening in a slightly more scruffy way. You know, I always say you don't need to build a fancy bug hotel. You can just leave a, a pile of rotted logs in the corner of the garden. And uh, that will really, you know, support numerous different species. So yeah, I think you're right. There's a, there's a big shift. People are much more engaged with the outdoors. And I think much more aware and you know there are some shocking statistics around you know in the um in the united kingdom uh, for example here in the last 20 years we've had a 60 percent reduction in, in insects which is wow. just terrifying that's huge um there obviously are, so, sorry nick excuse me for cutting across you but you mentioned there mm-hmm. about that the wild the wilder gardening a lot of people would claim that's just lazy gardening and i just wonder it's quite different to to what you would offer which is a much more curated space do you think that people are embracing more and more that out of laziness or genuine interest in provenance? I, I'm sure there's a few there's a few lazy gardeners possibly out there, but <laughs> but the the shift that I'm seeing certainly with the garden shows and my clients and all the groups that I speak to is that people really want to do our you know to do our bit as gardeners. We've we've in Ireland or in the UK we've got around about a two or three percent control of the land mass. In other words, we get to decide what goes on that on that bit that isn't agriculture or or conurbations. And so if we can kind of think of our gardens almost as as bolt holes or as sanctuaries for the wildlife that we do still have and you know diversify our planting as much as possible have as uh, as many species flowering for as many seasons as possible then we really can kind of effectively turn our gardens into into repositories um, which will hopefully hold all of these species up until agriculture sorts itself out and starts using less chemicals and things can start moving back out into the uh, into the wild so i think um, i think strategically gardens are, are hugely important 
Okay. Well, I'm sure you'll have lots more to say on that and the colours and all the rest of it in Ducats Grove next Sunday. We look forward to welcoming you to Carlo Gardigan Festival and thanks a million for coming on with us this morning, Nick. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Now, we also have Mary here. Mary, you are going to tell us a little bit more about what's on offer this um, weekend in the, or in fact over the week at the festival. Yeah. Okay, so there's lots to, to choose from. Any particular highlights that you want to... Well, just just even, I suppose, just say, I loved what um, Nick said there, you know, about bringing the joy back into your garden. And that's what the Garden Festival is all about. It's bringing joy back into people's hearts. So kicking off on Saturday, um, our opening event, this is one not to be missed. There are still tickets available in the gorgeous Arboretum Home and Garden Heaven. Rachel and her beautiful family and team out there work tirelessly. So we have Adam Frost, James Alexander Sinclair, visiting again and what I love about the festival is all the visiting gardeners are very invested in place they don't just rock up do a talk and go a lot of them come and do recce beforehand and engage with people and place which is so important but the first one as I say um, kicking off in the Arboretum and Rachel and the team out there are putting on a gorgeous dinner it's really really good value so you can have your dinner go to the talk and late night shopping and then throughout the week we're going to different venues throughout the county so yeah we, as Nick just said we're going to Duckett's Grove but then to Huntington Castle Delta Sensory Gardens Altamont Plant Sales gorgeous gorgeous spot there are two major speakers out there as well um, Altamont Gardens Hardy Mount Burtown uh, Shankill Castle Boris House Kilgraney and finishing up then in Huntington Castle with Fergus Garrett and the wonderful Mary Staunton is in the Delta Sensory Gardens. That is just a little jewel in Carlo. I just don't think people, you know, just need to visit it, even outside of the festival. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. So ranging from what Nick was talking about, bringing joy back into your garden, the festival cover, you know, what we he was talking about as well, about... Um, the wild garden and sometimes I've noticed you know and I've done it at home myself it's about creating it's managing the wildness you can all let things go that's fine but what I noticed and I couldn't believe it I have a gorgeous lav- lavender hedge at home and the first time I ever saw a paint lady butterfly in the garden that's a migrant butterfly so I was absolutely chuffed so yeah and even down to just the basic growing herbs one of the finest additions you can ever add to cooking and yeah, so beautiful range throughout the, the course of the week. And do you have any tips? So, so you love wilder look in a garden. Do you have any tips, Mary, as to how to manage that look a little bit better? Because I need them. If you, if you have them on offer, I'm, I'm all ears. OK, well, I have a great tip for you. I'm, I'm very fortunate to have worked in the garden world and all that. And so I've got a lot of experience. But I have used a plant called, a, you know, it's a native plant, a yellow rattle. It's a native seed. And what that does is when you... Uh, put it down it will suppress the heavy grass growth and you know in time you'll get a gorgeous species rich meadow because tall grass is tall grass but Mm. you need to be able to manage that so I was fortunate enough a small little garden that I have and I was very fortunate to get some native seed of native origin and this is a great trick for the lazy gardener so you start this in October you know, just the end of the cutting season. You don't have to rake up the soil or anything like that. So just cut it down, your grass down really, really close. Spread your yellow rattle, 
because it needs cold to germinate, leave it. Now, my husband made the mistake of mowing over it, but it still came back. Okay. And that, I'm in year two of that now, so that has actually taken down all those strong grasses and there's loads of little plants that are coming back of their own accord that were in the soil. So what does it look like? What it's a very left with? pretty small little yellow flower. Okay. And as it goes to seed, the seed heads start to rattle. Oh, beautiful. So that's why it's called yellow rattle. But as I say, you know, it's a native plant and I've reharvested that again from my own garden just a few weeks ago and I'm going to keep that now and there's another area I want to do and I just do mown paths through it and it's really quite lovely. I've got a tiny garden I'm trying the same thing but I have to be honest the grass is coming up quite unevenly and it does look just like my more broke down halfway through the job so do you think if I stick with it it'll come good? It will come good but sometimes grass is very hard work you know I would uh, you know for smaller gardens I would nearly say get rid of the grass get in some you know nice workhorse shrubs or perennials you know that will kind of you know you'll, you'll get a load of pollinators into your garden if you want to work that I definitely would go with the yellow rattle root. Okay, I'm going to try that. I'm loath to get rid of it because I just need the green. I prefer it even to the shrubbery. I like the okay. movement that the yeah, shrubs yeah, has yeah, to yeah. offer. I love the long yeah. grasses but and all of that. Do start that then and ring me and I can give you okay, any more Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll have you on the hotline. just be careful about buying wildflower seed where it is from. Okay. You want to buy good provenance seed of Irish origin. Are you good to let the dandelions do their magic? Oh, I love them. I do you. I, I need to learn to love them because I have lots of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nature always, I think, finds its balance. Okay. So like by me introducing that plant, you know, everything is starting to balance out what should be there. Okay. And it gives a nice, a nice look so to the garden. So stick with the grass then and do that. Okay, I'm going to do that. I, I love the idea of leaving the dandelions go, but they just, after a certain amount of time, I've got a lot of them and they, they, they're just overpowering so I can maybe dilute them slightly. You can um, edit a little. Okay. So, what? yeah, why, why not, you know, just take out little bits that you don't want, but just getting back to the Carlo Garden Festival. Yes, indeed. You'll probably hear more oh, we about so. that with, you know, there's um, wild gardening and, yeah, a whole range of events. So please go on to... Um, Carlo, Carlo Garden, Garden Trail. Trail or you can phone into the office to us 059-913-0411 or info at carlotourism.com OK so kicking off this Saturday absolutely loads to choose from a full loads week of fabulous events yeah. and Mary I'm delighted that it's for novice gardeners right through to garden connoisseurs and garden lovers of any age so I'd say there's something for everybody there and thank you so much for coming in this morning to tell us more about it Not at all lovely to talk to you KCL or Live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie Stolen from home Lost in the night And the rattle and creak of boards neath their feet buried scars on me. 
beautiful voice belongs to Rena Connolly and Rena joins us online. Good morning Rena, how are you? Good morning, how are you? Thank you for having me. Well thanks for joining us. You're one half of The Breath and the other member is guitarist Stuart McCollum that we heard there I believe. Mm-hmm. Yes, Stuart McCollum, yeah. And you're coming so, to Kilkenny on the 19th of August. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that gig? Yeah, we're in St Mary's Church in Anastake. Uh, for the Keeper Lit Festival, and it's going to be a lovely, lovely night. We've got a uh, local band, Sola, beautiful women, um, uh, supporting us as well. And um, it's going to be lovely because um, my grandmother's people are actually from Kilkenny. So, so um, I'm really looking forward to seeing a load of old family, you know, as well. To coming back to your roots. How do you describe your music, Rena? Um, I would say alternative folk. Alt folk is, is, I suppose, a trendy way of saying it, but I don't really know how to describe it other than uh, bad temper uh, used for good. (laughs) (laughs) Like all great art. Um, And you are a flautist. Is that the correct pronunciation of that word? And a lyricist and a vocalist. How, How did you get involved in music and performing? Tell us a little bit about your history with what you do right now. Well, I'm from Armagh, and um, my uh, my uh, people are from uh, Kilkenny and Armagh, and I uh, lived in Manchester for many years, and I moved over there to go to university, and um, just started playing. Like, I grew up in Trad, and singing Shanos, and Kaming, and uh, the Boxwood Flute. I mean, I play a flute that's made out of a bit old Irish hedge. It's made of. Which is lovely. Say that again, Rena. It's made of. Well, it's made of. It's made of um, Irish hedge. It's made out of boxwood. Okay, that's going to be an unusual yeah. um, composition, is it? No, it's just a different colour. Okay. You know, usually, usually they play um, um, African blackwoods or rosewoods, and mine, mine was bright yellow when I got it. And it doesn't affect yeah. the sound in any way, I'm assuming. It does. It sounds much better. Okay. Okay. Far, far superior. Far superior. So it's it's great crack. Well, listen. You're coming into us, I believe. Well, we hope uh, just before you play your gig on the 19th of August, so you might come into us on Friday the 18th, and you might bring the flute with you and play us a I little tune. Care. I'd love to. I would love to. How did yeah. you meet, by the way, your um, partner in the band, um, Stuart? Well, um, when I moved to Manchester, I was gigging on uh, the Irish circuit and the jazz circuit and the blues circuit and met him on in, on jazz gigs. Okay, and it was a, a match made in heaven, I'm assuming. Okay, yeah, you know, you you do um, you do play together for years and years and you get to be very intuitive with each other. Okay. With your playing. And I'm sure that connection is very obvious. Well, listen, we can't wait to welcome you to Kilkenny and we look forward to hearing more from you. Thank you so much, Rena, for coming on with us this morning.
Um, come here, I was listening to you before. Um, you said you had to look at the dandelion. Yes, please. Garden. Have you a solution problem? Yeah, well, actually, in, uh, my mother lives in Slovenia at the minute, and they make dandelions into salads, and they make a syrup where they uh, leave it in the sun with sugar, and then you make uh, like a dandelion honey that they drizzle over everything, and it's like a superfood over there. Does it taste good? Because I've had them in fancy restaurants, and I've always thought, no, I'm not going to be going back there again. Do you pull the dandelion and then leave it out in the sun, or how do you get that sweet taste that you're describing? Well, well, you, yeah, you get the heads and you leave them out in the sun and cover them with sugar and then sugar dissolves in the heat and then you strain that and that's your dandelion syrup. Okay. And that's like a superfood. But then they also put the leaves into salads and it's called rigrat. Okay, there. super. Well, that sounds like something yeah. we could try. That might be one solution to reducing them a little bit from the look that I'm not mad about. <laughs> so thanks a well, million for that top tip. That, yeah. <laughs> well, much appreciated. I'll give it a try and maybe when we see you in August, I can tell you how it goes. Thank you so much, Rena, for joining us yeah. this morning. Another. Thank you so much for having me. You're more than welcome. Another man with a great singing voice is our own Shane. I can sing? You can sing, Shane. Well, what? <laughs> and, you, and you know it. But you're not here to talk about your great voice. You're here to talk about the great girls that are taken to the pitch today. Yes, Ireland versus Canada is going to be a big one today, especially considering the loss to Australia in the opening round. But look, I look at Argentina lost to Saudi Arabia in the first round of the World Cup on the side of things and ended up winning it. So we'll see what happens. OK, we need a draw today to stay in contention. We need something. We need, we, you definitely need to get a point and it's not going to be an easy task. Okay. Canada are uh, the Olympic champions. They're ranked seven in the world. Ireland are ranked 22nd. They need to, in my opinion, they need to be less conservative. They need to be less pragmatic with it. Um, Vera Pau came out during the week and said, look, we have great defenders, but they don't have a lot of pace. That's why she goes with five at the back. But you could see how they struggled to get up to pace against Australia after the penalty. You could see in the attack where there was no support for anybody when they were running up the wing. And set pieces seemed to be the only way that Ireland were going to get a goal. And they need to be better on set pieces. They need to be able to attack it a bit more. There were some great balls by Katie McKay being whipped in. No one was getting on the Nothing end of happening. them. No, mm. so it, it it's it's do or die time today because no one wants to go into the Nigeria game on Monday with a constant of oh we've been at the World Cup. You want you want something tangible coming okay. from it. It's a big ass, Shane. All the same, we're ranked twenty second. They're ranked seventh. Olympic champions, as you say, that's a massive pressure on their shoulders today, isn't it? No, it certainly is. And if you're talking about pressure on someone's shoulders, you look at Abby Larkin. She's only eighteen. She became the youngest ever Irish international at a major tournament when she came on for a cameo appearance against Australia. But she absolutely bossed it. She was brilliant. She she had that attack and impetus in her. Will she start today? That remains to be seen. Will Louise Quinn start today? There's injury concerns around the former Fiorentina player. An amazing defender. Will she start today? That remains to be seen. Obviously, our own uh, Ella Malloy, she would have been brilliant from an attacking sense. Unfortunately, ruled out her an injury. We could do with Karen Duggan as well, former Kilkenny, uh, well, Kilkenny player, but former Irish international. She's on coverage for RTE today. Hopefully, RTE have helped their... Uh, production issues that they had last year because it really wasn't good enough at the end of the day with the commentary and not in sync and stuff so it's a big day I am quite anxious like obviously you can be proud of the fact that we've got to a World Cup and 
Lord knows from a men's side of things we've been proud of it for every stage of the World Cup even when you're looking at the Euros and you're getting thumped in 2016 by Belgium 3-0 I was standing in a body and soul arena with 6,000, 7,000 Irish fans watching that as we were and everyone stayed until the end so yeah we do have to show our support but hopefully it comes out onto the pitch with a bit more of an, an attacking flair than what that's what we missed We've against Australia so yeah, yeah. okay because it is there was so much excitement to get here absolutely but it's it's a little bit deflating if it doesn't at least get a little bit of impetus isn't it what do you think Shane the coverage has been like generally we give out a lot about the lack of coverage for, for women's sport and this is a big deal has it gotten the coverage that it deserves uh, has it gotten the coverage it deserves It's. I think it's got a lot of negative coverage in the sense where um, a lot of say the Australian players came out and stated oh they're talking about the prize money that's on board and that brought a lot of negative light into it as opposed to just allowing the game to be played same as the way as Qatar did with the with the human rights issues of, mm. of, of Qatar you know so a lot of focus went on the quality side of things I'm all for just let me just watch my sports and it's kind of becoming that as well because when you're looking at the commercial of soccer and even in GA in some senses you know you just want at the end of the day we all love sports we just want to sit down and not get caught up in the drama and the soap opera of what surrounds it and I can easily do that as well with transfer speculations and different things I'd love it to just be like let's just have a look analyse the game and see what happens and that's why when I'm opening and I'm talking about I'm talking about oh this is where I think they went wrong in the game this is where I think this happened in the game as opposed to this was what was said in the press match or pre-match conference and, and, and that kind of thing Okay Well listen we will focus on the game ahead of us today Where can we watch it? It's 1 o'clock um, isn't it? Isn't that the time? Yeah it's kicking off over in Perth at 1 o'clock it's on RTE you can check it out on the RTE player as well I'll be doing live updates with John Keane on the John Keane show so before the match at half 12 at around half time and then at full time as well and hopefully we'll be celebrating a victory Okay well thank you so much Shane for keeping us up to date as you will do throughout the day as you See. I certainly will. Thank you. KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets, and a state of the art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Carlo, Kilkenny, KCLR. Still no correct guess for the ID buzz. We've had a carpet sweeper, sweeper rather, bin being emptied, dishwasher, a coffee machine, emptying the bucket of water. None of those correct, I'm afraid. Keep your guesses coming in. 083-306-9696. Now, influencing is a hot topic and I'm joined in studio by a hot local influencer, Laura Young. Welcome. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. Terrific weather we're having outside. And not that it was terrific. summer fabulous yesterday. Yesterday wasn't. <laughs> Laura, I was just saying to you that I feel like we're best friends because I follow you on Instagram and you, you've no clue who I am. No, and that is called what they call a, a parasocial relationship. Have you heard of this before? No, tell us, tell us what so that is. So this initially started like back in Hollywood. John Travolta in his youth. Think of that kind of period. Um, and a lot of fans would follow a lot of these people, follow their stories, not obviously back in those days. And they felt like they had a relationship. Okay. Not necessarily romantic, but like friendship. And it got to the point where members of the public were like stalking these celebrities and the celebrities are like I don't know I don't think it's implying that you're like that with me or whatever no, but, but that's what's called a parasocial relationship you feel like you know me super super well and we're buddies but you forget nearly that I don't know you at absolutely. all absolutely and we're yeah. walking down the street and you ignore me because you've no clue who exactly. I am and I take that in but like, you know my dog's name I do you know like loads of th- different things about me so it's it's definitely a new thing it's not necessarily a bad thing I think it is to be honest do you think? Well, I think it might feed a feeling of rejection on my part 
this is, you know, it's just a generalising. Yeah. I don't feel that. But, you know, if you're a little bit younger, you could feel a bit rejected by the person, excluded by the person. Or maybe you've built up the person to be a certain way in your head. Exactly. And then you meet me and you might be like, oh, she's not that funny or she's not that sound or she's not that nice. Yes, but I know you're funny, Laura. Please well, deliver. Well. Please deliver. <laughs> Listen, I wanted to talk to you about influencing. Would you describe yourself as an influencer? Mm, reluctantly, because it's the closest word that describes what I do that people kind of have a general knowledge of these days. Okay. But like I st- I uploaded my first YouTube video like 13 years ago. Well, mm. So I won't say I'm one of the OGs, but I am probably one of the oldest in the game I'd say you are one of the OGs to be honest probably I would think for lots of people watching social media they think that looks like a great way to make a living it looks like it's great crack firstly how did you amass the number of followers because you've a a fine number of followers how did you amass all those people well when you factor in the fact that I started uploading 13 years ago it's actually not that great (laughs) I've been a very slow burner shall we say but I don't know are you a stranger to the fact that some people buy followers I'm not a stranger to that fact but I don't think you do no I've seen you speak about that that's a lie I've bought followers once have you just to see what the procedure was like okay. and see how, how how does it actually work. So I went online, Googled how to buy followers. I found a website that pro- I think it was like $10 for, for 50 or 100 followers. So I bought the lowest denomination just to see how it worked. Put in my car details. It was pay by, like it was a legit payment method, obviously. And lo and behold, I had loads of bot followers, like well, 50 or whatever, maybe 100. Um, so I got to see how easy it was. So technically, I actually have bot followers. But are they identifiable? If I'm a brand looking at you and thinking, do I like the Not look of really. Laura? No. They'll get kind of... Uh, swarmed out by the like legit ones that I have so if you go on to any of the platforms that assess influencer followers it'll be a very small percentage of fake followers which okay. people have anyway Now can I ask you a crude question because go I seem it. to be talking about money a lot and I, I know I know I'd love to talk about the money in social tell media tell us can you because I think from afar we have the idea that you know any spawn content or ads are making a lot of money for, for influencers yeah. so is shed a light on whether or not that is the case Mm. So I often say I still have my full-time job. If I had business acumen and was business-minded, I could definitely make a full-time gig out of influencing for sure. But it would involve kind of paring back on my own kind of morals. I would have to sell a lot of stuff that I don't necessarily want to sell or promote a lot of stuff that I don't want to sell. And I love the freedom that my full-time job pays my bills. And if I want to make an extra few bob in social media, that's cool too. And I can pick and choose who I want to work with. Um, there are loads of brands I've reached out to and they've literally said, not, not interested. And I've asked a friend of mine who is in the industry, like, why are these brands not like open to me? And he actually said, because you're a bit of a wild card, Laura. Like a brand can't really trust you to stay on track all the time. Um, and you're a bit too honest. I'm like... I both hate and love that. I know. And actually, that's why I love you, because you're frank and honest. And to be honest, Lauren, I mean this in the nicest possible way. You could say anything. And, and if you're working and that's with why brands, brand, I'm not brand friendly. But I'm sure they would have, look, you can't say this, you can't say this. Mm. I think, I'm sure there are limitations as to what you can say. And, yeah. and obviously, and that's And there are some brands want. that literally give me total creative freedom. They're like, hey, can you promote this? Do it your own way. And I lo- it's rare, but I do love that. Okay. Um, when it comes to money, do you want to talk figures? I do. Let's talk Put figures. it on the table. Okay. So I have a YouTube video. You know, Do you know how YouTube ads works? Yeah. So when an ad pops up, if you click it, I get a little bit of money. If you don't click it, I still get a little bit of money. I have a video um, where I put castor oil lol on my eyebrows for six weeks to see if it actually made my eyebrows grow hairier I know it sounds ridiculous I think there's 1.6 1. 1.4 or 1.6 million views on that at the moment okay take a wild guess how much revenue have I made from that video I'm assuming it's very little because otherwise this would not be news oh no maybe not hit me I haven't a clue I mean I really don't just shy of 10 grand stop it yeah yeah every month I get a check from YouTube wow yeah now firstly I need to know 
what effect ha- or do I have to watch the video to find out whether the castor oil didn't is work. spoiler alert it didn't work wow yeah that's yeah. a lot of money for my it. second highest one I think is how it's all about like hair growth how to grow my eyelashes like all my top videos are experiments on myself using products or um, natural remedies to try and uh that's incredible. To faster, yeah. You know the video, the castor oil one. How yes. long did that take you? Because obviously you had to create that video was made in like 2014. That is outstanding, yeah. isn't it? Yes, and that it was is. one I didn't put any effort into. I was like, maybe, maybe a thousand people might watch this, and it's like 1.4. And if you Google or search on YouTube, castor oil eyebrows, and it's becoming a trend now on TikTok again. But many, many years later, yeah. How did you come up with that idea? Or was it somebody that asked you or mentioned it to you? Honestly, when from? I tried any new product back then, I would click record on the camera and just record my findings and I found if you did it over time but compressed it into one video people could watch it and be like oh yeah it does work or it doesn't work interesting I used to do fake tan reviews all the time fake tan was really my thing because as you can see I'm super super white uh, ghostly white and uh, yeah fake tan was my thing back then or foundation reviews now I'm kind of I found the products I like I stick with them and now I try to nearly de-influence people like find a product you love and stick with that rather than buying 15 foundations Okay. I think consumerism is kind of a big problem these days I don't and know anyone who's you're quite green in your attitude to life and try to be I feel like when you come out as saying you're trying to be more sustainable you're kind of held to a perfect standard, standard. Yes. and if you ever buy it like if I went to buy a plastic bottle of water and post on Instagram I know someone would say Laura thought you're trying to be good to the planet you can never be perfect but I feel like when you make statements like this people hold you to like absolute perfect standard they do. and that's they just do. like impossible and I want to ask you about that as well because I feel with social media can come obviously a little bit of money which is wonderful yeah. or a lot of money in the case of the castor oil example yeah. but also a lot of negativity and it isn't for the faint-hearted sometimes no. Laura. scrutiny I think is a good word yes and you're held to like this impossible standard I'll give you an example actually just a couple of hours ago I posted about uh, being in a queue at a coffee shop behind five like tradesmen builder men and I said that I was surprised that their coffee orders were quite intricate like an oat milk latte one pump of caramel and I had made the assumption they were going to get big man coffees um, and one of my friends actually messaged me and she was like oh Laura not you admitting to misogyny online and I was like yeah I guess I am kind of admitting to sexism a bit and I could come under scrutiny for that luckily I actually don't get that much pushback online um, because I presented that thought process Yes, I'm sharing how that was a sexist thought process for me. So hopefully I won't be quote unquote cancelled for sharing But it, it's a real danger, isn't it? It like, is. Like there's a very fine line between what is okay to put out into the public domain and what is not. And Big I'd time. say it's quite hard to navigate that. You nearly have to second guess yourself. When I when I had a smaller following of say, I don't know, two to five thousand on Instagram, I didn't have to really think about what I posted because chances are like no one's going to whatever. But these days if I post something I nearly have to like think, right, be critical, be self-critical. And that can kind of create a little bit of anxiety as well. And I know a lot of my peers in the social media sphere do suffer from anxiety anxious symptoms and like constantly on edge for what if I say something wrong you can't live like that though well it's it's not a comfortable way to live that's for sure for sure Laura loads more to discuss but I'm going to take a quick ad we'll be back right after this KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops food outlets and a state of the art IMC cinema see fairgreen.ie Carlo Kilkenny KCLR Welcome back. We're still here with Laura Young of Laura's Views. Laura, any other stories? We were talking about trolling before the break there. Anything happened to you that was, I don't know, scary or nasty or that you'd like to talk about? Or maybe you wouldn't, but you just generally give us a comment on the negativity. I hate to come back to YouTube all the time, but it kind of is my bread and butter. Do you want to hear something kind of unnerving that happened? Um, There was a particular commenter on my YouTube videos that was like commenting my address. Ooh. 
and my younger sister's name. Now, my younger sister is on social media now, but she wasn't at the time. And I found that really unnerving. But realistically, that could have been any of hundreds of people in my life who just dislike me for whatever reason and want to like make me feel unnerved. That was kind of one of the scarier moments, posting my home address in the comment section on YouTube. Now, luckily, I could delete that, but I was I found myself losing sleep because as ridiculous as it sounds, that person could put that comment up at two o'clock in the morning. And I don't see it till maybe 10 o'clock when I wake up. So I find myself losing a little bit of sleep over that. That's a bit unnerving. It is unnerving. And was there any traction after that? Anything? No, I'd never find out who that was. Um, I made attempts to try and find out who it was, but it's just such a minefield. You know, the internet, it's not exactly policed these days. Um, But that was kind of unnerving. Mm. Mm. It didn't turn you off though. It's called doxing, sharing someone's address online. Okay, you've got all the terms, girl. Mm, You you are down with all the terms, I tell you that. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit, because there's so much that you do on your page that interests me which is again why I like it it's a little bit of everything and thanks would you describe your diet as being you're not a vegan are you are you kind of flexy so about I think it's like nine eight or nine years ago now coming up to eight or nine years exactly I watched a documentary on farm animals welfare and I went vegan overnight and I was very shall we say perfectionist about it nowadays I'm a little bit more what you could say flexy I don't actively go out and order like toasted cheese sandwiches or whatever but if I if an order comes out and they have a little bit of feta sprinkled across I would rather um, just power through that than send it back it end up in the bin So why did you become more flexy with that? Uh, too, too difficult to life was too hard? Well no because I did it for like seven years so mm. it wasn't that difficult but I found I was being the awkward one at the table in a restaurant and sending the food back is more wasteful than anything does that kind of make sense? It does make sense. Because if I send back a salad that had a little bit of feta in it, that's going to end up in the bin. Yes. That's not going to be reused. feel like it's better that I eat that than rather it ending up in the bin. And I think that's more wasteful, if anything. Okay. I tried the new Tato Meanies flavour. Have you tried them? No. Oh, they're actually really good. But I tried them last week, assuming there's no milk in them. And then I flipped over the pack afterwards. I was like, oh, there is actually dairy in them. I would have beaten myself up over that a few years. Great. But now I'm just like, oh, lesson learned. I tried them. Won't be having them again. Is it better than the Meanie, the original? It's weird. You just have to try them. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. You just have to try them. Hashtag not an ad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, the Green Diet, Ethna found an article yesterday saying that the Green Diet cuts the risk of early death by quarter, which is substantial. And that might make you a little bit more strict. And of course, it helps the planet, which is a very strong part of your messaging. It's like a bit of a tick, 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 win, yes. win, 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 win. But the only thing is, when you're the only one at a fat dinner and you're looking at the menu and trying to order off the menu, you can be like a little bit awkward. Okay. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to ask you about, Laura, was the upcycling that you do. How get so good at DIY? I am not that good at You DIY. look good. I well, and that that is the dangers of the internet. I can come across like I'm really good at these things. I held a drill for the first time like six months ago. Oh my goodness, I'm yeah. impressed. So I bought my own property. I've kind of made that my whole personality online in the last year or so, but I'm just so damn proud. And you should last, be. Last July, August, I got the keys for my first home at 37 years of age, which is probably later than I would have liked uh, but still I got my keys and I've kind of I just haven't had the money to get these things done so it's just out of necessity um, being the mother of creation I just have to do all these things myself like painting my kitchen cabinets that had a bit of a viral moment on Instagram but it was actually. brilliant because I think people are afraid of kitchen cabinets I'm afraid of my own but you made that look really easy so tell me was that fancy editing or was it easier than you thought Hour wise, I did the sums. I think it took us about 20 hours to do, which doesn't sound like a lot. That's a lot when you put it out over days because you just leave the things to dry. You have to prime the stuff, sand them. Um, but the finished like finished article, I was like, wow. It's but phenomenal. during it, cursing and blind, like I was not happy during. So it was, it was simple but long 
took a long, long time to do. Well, you went from, just to, to describe it to our listeners, you went from a brown aesthetic, which yeah. is not everyone's choice. It wouldn't be mine, it wasn't yours, 80% obviously. 80% of rentals in Ireland had those exact cabinets. You know the ones with the silver handles and the MDA. Like, if when you see them, you, you see them in every rental in Ireland. And I just said, I can't afford a new kitchen. What'll get me out a couple of years to save a few bob for the new kitchen? Let's whack a bit of paint on and it. And you went for blue, not dissimilar to our studio colour, mm, I'm going to say. It's very it? similar and white. Oh yeah, so same. To, and then you would white. And did somebody help you with that? A fr- my brother's girlfriend Bethany helped me with that well you hit Bethany because it looked like you did a whiz job on that yourself again Laura. the internet I know I we know, show I know. what we want to show we didn't show the cursing and the blinding and the we're going mad by the end of the day with all the fumes in our heads I can imagine <laughs> but it is great I mean I, I'm not asking you money 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 and I'm, I'm obsessed aren't I but no. not asking you to put a price on that but if you priced a kitchen if you wanted something that looked as, as well apparently it's as much as you want to pay I could pay five grand for like a cheapo kitchen you could pay like Fifty grand for a kitchen, but that all in all cost me a little over five hundred euro in materials. That's phenomenal. Yeah, that's no, pretty it? good. Yeah. How did you pick the colour? You, uh, in, uh, not Instagram. What's it called? Pinterest. I was looking through Pinterest for colour inspiration. I thought that might you be good. Something. And the dark blue kind of hides hides a multitude as well, because the cabinets weren't in great shape. Which is great. Um, for sure. You are not. You, you're a little bit concerned. You see about consumerism, and, and I share that concern. Yeah. But you're also very involved in social media and in yeah. YouTube, as you've mentioned. So how do you get that balance right? Because there is a lot of stuff coming at us that can look, as you say, phenomenal on social media, and the temptation can be really strong, can't it? It's really kind of hard to strike that balance. Again, I'm really glad I don't have to rely on this as a full time job because I probably would have to compromise my morals and my ethics a little bit with regard to like sharing 20 different products in in a month or whatever. It's a really hard. It's really hard it's difficult for me to watch my peers influencing and like saying buy this really special water bottle because it will be amazing and I'm like the water bottle you have is just fine and uh, the line I love is uh, the quality the quality is unbelievable and quality I'm obsessed yes but the quality thing is irritating because tea shows itself over time doesn't it when you touch a jumper or a shirt or whatever you can't speak to the quality of that at first touch it's ridiculous no No, you need to like wash it 10 times and see what it like washes like but the trouble is and I I don't want to tar influencers with the same brush but with all these fast fashion posts being shared that influencer is wearing that once taking a photograph maybe going out in it and then the outfit is donated or dumped or whatever I'm presuming because you never see the influencer wearing that again I wear most of the same stuff like all the time you do and another thing you're great for doing is getting a charity shop haul Yes. Oh, there's serious, serious treasures to be found in. Do you, do you ever pop into charity shops? I most certainly do. do. <gasps> Have Love you been it. to the the APA shop in Carlo? If you're no, looking but for do you furniture, know what? I met women on the street one day in Carlo. They were from Dublin, and they said they come down regularly for a little steak, not staycation. Yes, yeah, staycation. They come mm. for an overnight in Carlo because the charity shops are so good there. Um, yeah, that no, it's we a well known thing amongst the group. Yeah, yeah, tons, tons of really good stuff. So, like the days of heading over to New York shopping or finish, you come down to Carlo and come down to Carlo and get your get your goodies and also finds. absolutely mm. sustainable. You're saving a few quid and you feel you can feel good. Now, maybe it's a little bit harder work because you have to root the sizes might not all be there, but really worth it. And I always find um, Facebook Marketplace great as well to buy secondhand stuff. I got my I have a lime green couch in my sitting room. Um, it was in a furniture shop at the time for two thousand eight hundred euro, and I managed to snag it for two hundred and fifty quid, almost brand new. Laura, you love a bargain. I love a bargain. Well, I have no choice. I have to like the bargains. <laughs> but not to go on about how broke I am all the time. But no, no, like, no. That, that, that's definitely something that I think encourages people. You don't have to spend a fortune. For sure. And look the exact same. Very quickly, what is the future of influencing, do you think? Oh, are we going knows? to keep going as we are? It depends on what way the young people go. 
the young people how old do I sound when I say that but it does depend on how the young people go and I don't know like I can't relate to 17, 18 year olds these days But do you think cynicism is growing when you have people as you see throwing the morals out the window to make a fast book? I think there's still a lot of naivety I think there's still a lot of naivety and naivety and teenagers and people in their early 20s still being quite easily led maybe there is a bit more scepticism and hopefully there is and critical thinking but I think we were all quite naive at that age as well weren't we? We didn't have that all around us No but I'd love to see the up and coming influencers like the younger the younger gals these days sharing more of the ethical side of things but I haven't seen it thus far Okay well listen Laura we look forward to continuing to follow your views on Ooh. Laura's views and thanks Emil for coming thanks in for to talk me. all things influencing today Thank we you. have a winner for our lady t- Ladies Day tickets it's Anne Byrne and congrats I hope you have a fabulous day that you get the goon out and the hat on and that you win loads of money coming up we have the John Keane um, show he's got loads of great prizes to give he's out on an outside broadcast with Best Drive loads of great prizes coming up lots of great sh- Tunes and news coming your way throughout the day on KCLR. See you tomorrow. KCLR Live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie.